I get thanks. Hello, I'm Kathy Davidson, and welcome to our women's meeting. We have a group of women here and some men that are endeavoring to walk in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, not in a church, not, not in a society, but in the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is within us. And that power is within us. That ability is within us. And that's what we're endeavoring to walk in. Let's open with prayer. My heavenly father, I thank you. My heavenly father, I thank you. I thank you. Father, open our eyes that we can see. Open our hearts that we can attend under the words like Lydia. Open our ears that we can hear. Father, turn us from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto you. And Father, I thank you. I thank you for a spirit of grace on this meeting. Father, I thank you for a spirit of grace on this meeting that only you and Jesus get the glory, that only you and Jesus get the glory. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we are doing a series, and I called it What the Gospel Bought, What It Bought for You. And it's a, I mean, I love that God's letting me do this, but today we talked about that he brought us forgiveness of sins, that he brought reconciliation, that he destroyed the law, that he... Destroy, uh, that he bore the curses of the law last week, that he made Jew and Gentile one body. This week, we're going to talk about peace. One of my favorites. One of some of my favorite verses are here. But we're going to begin in Isaiah 52, 7. You know, I say favorite verses, favorite verses this week. I don't know if you're like you, but I get favorite verses for like a couple weeks. All right, favorite, uh, Isaiah 52, I'm going to begin in verse 7. What a beautiful, now I'm going to say this, this is Isaiah. Isaiah lived 700 years, 700 years. You know, it's only been 400 years since the pilgrims have gotten here. 700 years before Jesus. And Isaiah watched Israel go into captivity. He watched it. He warned them. He warned them in Judah. He warned them what was coming. He warned them if they would not repent, that they were going into captivity. He knew they were going into captivity. Go look, read Isaiah, what he had to do to warn the people that it was coming. That, hang on just a second. This is, that he warned the people of what was coming on them because of their sin, because they would not obey God. And then in the middle of all that, Isaiah prophesies what's coming later. He gets to prophesy. He gets to talk. He gets to tell of the Messiah coming. He gets to tell of the New, Test the New Covenant coming. He gets to tell about Jesus. And if you read in Peter what was in Isaiah, prophesying about the Messiah, prophesying Jesus was coming, was the very spirit of Jesus himself. Talking out of his mouth. How beautiful is that? So let's look at what Isaiah prophesied, what the Spirit of Jesus prophesied in Isaiah. Isaiah 52, verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains 
are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings. Good tidings. He's saying this in the midst of war and famine and bondage. Good tidings that publishes peace. Peace. He lived in a time that there was no peace between man and God. There wasn't. There wasn't any peace in Israel, and there was very little peace in Judah. And he's publishing right here that how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that publishes good tidings. Good tidings. That publishes peace. Peace. That bringeth good tidings of good. That publishes salvation. That saith unto Zion. Thy God reigneth. Thy God reigneth. In the middle of war. In the middle of famine. In the middle of unspeakable atrocities. He speaks. Thy God reigneth. Thy God reigneth. God spoke to me this the other day. When I was looking at some of the situations that were happening around me. And I was, my, my spirit was starting to sink a little bit. And God spoke this verse to me. Thy God reigneth. And thy God does reign, saith the Lord. Thy God reigneth. Thy God reigneth over kings. Thy God reigneth over presidents. Thy God reigns over the Republican. Thy God reigns over the Democrat. Thy God reigns over the liberal. Thy God reigns over the conservative. Thy God reigns. Thy God reigns. And he will bring every verse to pass that has ever been written in the word of God. Every verse will come to pass before our eyes we will see. We will see the return of the king. We will see. We will see God bring it all to a close. Why? Because thy God reigns. Thy God reigns over the Antichrist. Thy God will reign over the mark of the beast. Thy God reigns. Thy God reigns. And thy gospel always prevails. In the midst of all of this, in the midst of great tribulation, the gospel will prevail. Because thy God reigns. Thy God reigns. There has to be no fear because thy God reigns. Thou has to be a love toward the Father because thy God reigns. Thou has to be a trust built in you between God and you and Jesus and you because thy God reigns. And thy God will reign. Thy God will reign during the tribulation. Thy God will reign. Thy God will reign. And those that trust in him will reign also, saith the Lord. Glory. I'm done. <laughs> How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that publishes good tidings, that publishes peace. That bringeth good tidings of good, that publishes salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. And then I, and then I want you to go to Romans 10, 15. Because some say... Well, what if Isaiah wasn't talking about Jesus? Ha-ha. God's smarter than you. Romans 10, verse 13. It says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a promise. 
That's not only a promise, that's a fact. It says, for whosoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call in him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? You have to be sent to preach the gospel. And yes, I'm sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. Look at that, the gospel of peace. It is not the gospel of condemnation. It is not the gospel of fear. It is the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. And bring glad tidings of good things. That is the gospel. It is the gospel of peace. Jesus brought peace. Turn with me to Luke 2. I'm going to begin in verse 8. Some of my favorite passages, and they're not only to be read at Christmas time. Jesus was born. And then in verse 8, there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. Can you imagine? The angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. The place lit up like the noonday, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. You see that word, all people? Not just to the Jew, but to all people, to you and I. All people. It says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And you, this shall be a sign unto you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger, in a feeding trough, in a stable, a baby. And it says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God. And look what they said. Look what they were singing. Look what they were praising God for. Glory to God. In the highest. And on earth peace. Do you see what God said to the earth? This is bringing peace. This is bringing peace. On earth peace. Good will toward men. That's what the angels were singing to the shepherds. Goodwill, peace toward men. Do you see what the gospel's based in? Peace and goodwill toward men. That, ver that word means women too. That's God's intention for you. That is God's intention for you. The angels said it when Jesus was born. Peace on earth, peace. Peace between you and God. And goodwill toward men. Goodwill. God wants good for you. Can you read those words? God's will towards you is good. 
He wants good things for you. He does not want to beat you with a stick. Then the angels would have been lying. He wants goodwill to you. He wants good for you. God can't lie. Goodwill towards you. Now, how did he do it? Turn with me to Isaiah 53. That baby laying in a manger, a newborn, when you consider it and you consider the gospel, in that feeding trough, in that baby, was the sacrifice for all mankind as a baby. He started out as a baby. And that baby, father knew that that baby was one day going to be put on the cross. He had to become a baby. Jesus had to leave all his godly abilities. He had to lay him down and he had to become a baby. He had to do it like we did it. You know, he didn't know he was a God. John 1 says, in the beginning was God and was with God. In the beginning, he was God. He was a God. But he laid that all down to become a baby. A baby. He was a God. You know, he never knew hunger until he came to earth. He never knew hunger. He never knew fatigue. He never had to go to the bathroom. Let's get real. Never had to do that. He was a God. He had to do it all. Why? He was going to replace what Adam lost. He had to replace what Adam lost. And to do that, he had to do it as a man. And that baby in the manger that was bringing peace, where did that peace come from? It came from the gospel. If you will go with me to Isaiah 52, I'm going to begin in verse 13. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted, extolled, and he will be very high. It says, my servant. Jesus came as a servant. He didn't come as the king of kings and the Lord of lords yet. He had to begin as a servant. And who was he servant to? He was servant to the Father. And as he told his disciples, he was a servant to us. Why? Because we needed help. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted, extolled, and be very high. As many were astonished at thee. His visage was so marred more than any man. This is Jesus on the cross. When they put him on the cross, he was not marred more than any man. He was beaten. His face was probably swollen because he was punched a whole lot, spit on, scourged. But when he was on that cross, that body, the bones became dislocated. Why? It says that that eternal spirit working with him put the sins of mankind on, a, on that body and in that soul. In that soul. And sin will mess with a body. And it was messing with Jesus. The sin on his body through that eternal spirit. Laying our sin on him. The body started to go down and break apart. The bones dislocated. Bones were never broken. But every bone was dislocated. Extreme torture. Extreme. 
Mark more than any man. Mark more than any man. And his form more than the sons of men. We will see in a couple verses, you couldn't even tell when it was finished that that body was the body of a man. So the movies you've seen and the books, the pictures you've seen in the art galleries and the books that you've read don't line up with the Word of God. It says when he was finished, you could not even tell that body was the body of a man. Why? Every bone was dislocated. The elbow wasn't where the elbow should have been. The hip wasn't where the hip should have been. The knee wasn't where the knee should have been. They were all dislocated. Sin. Sin on a body. Thank you, Jesus. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him, for that which had not been told them shall they see. And that which they had not heard shall they consider. Who has believed our report? Do you? Who has believed our report? This is Isaiah. 700 years before it even came to pass. And whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. And here it is. He has no form. No form. That body, every bone looks dislocated. He says in Psalm 22, my bones look and stare on me. Why? Because they're not, they're not where they're supposed to be. So no form or comeliness. When we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Grotesque. Marred more than any man. And when you get it in your heart, the most beautiful picture you will ever see. There is where your eternity was bought. There is where your forgiveness was paid for. On that body. It said, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, that's uh, pains, and acquainted with grief, that's sickness. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Verse 4, surely, surely, this is Isaiah prophesying, surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pain. Yet we did esteem him stricken of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And here's where we want to get to. The chastisement. The chastisement. That word means chastisement. It means correction. It means punishment. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Everything, everything that was between us and God was put on the body of Jesus. Why? So God could have peace with you and I. To make peace between you and I and God. To make peace. Isaiah was living in a time where there was no peace between God and man. They were being punished. They were being judged for their rebellion towards God. 
And in the middle of all that, Isaiah is saying, it's coming. There will be a day where all of our sins will be on that man and he will make peace between God and man. And don't ever forget, God is the one that initiated it. God is the one that sent Jesus. Jesus did not come on his own. He was sent. God is the one that wants peace between you and him. Not just Jesus, the Father. That's why his name is the Father. And the Father wants peace between you and him. He wanted it so bad that he sent his only begotten son to pay for it. That's how bad he wants peace between you and he. That's how bad he wants peace between you and him. He wants peace between you and him. And to prove it, he sent Jesus to pay for it. Everything between you and God, everything that is possible to be between you and God was put on the body of Jesus. Jesus paid for it. And he paid dearly. He paid dearly. And he did it out of love for you and he did it out of the love for the Father. He became our mediator. And the only way to satisfy God was blood. He said that to Moses, the Father. He said, the, when sin, what is it? The wages of sin is death. And the only payment for sin is blood. You sin, there has to be blood. Something, somebody has to die. That's the cost of sin. That's the cost of the thing that you're messing with. Somebody has to pay. And Jesus took the job. Jesus stepped in by the direction of the Father and became the payment. Became the payment. Jesus took on everything between you and the Father, and he paid for it. He took it on his own body. And if you will look down in verse um, 9, it says, And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. And that word is plural, it's death. He died a physical death and he died a spiritual death. Jesus went to hell. He went to hell. Jesus went to hell. Why? Because Jesus died with every sin that was ever committed in his soul. Jesus died the world's worst sinner. The world's worst. Why? Because he had your sin on him. He had my sin on him. He had everyone's sin on him. On him, everyone's. He had, he had um, mass murder on him. Did you know Jesus died with the sin of mass murder? Did 
you know he bore it on his own body? Do you know he bore child molestation on his own body? He died a child molester. He died a wife beater. He died a sexual immoral person. He died a con man. He died a thief. He died a murderer. You fill in the blank with whatever you've done. And that's what he died with. And that's what was carried in his soul. And because of that, he had to go to hell. Why? He was paying for what you and I did. He was making peace between the Father and us. He was making peace between me and the Father. And he had to pay with blood, and he had to pay with his soul. And you know what's beautiful? If you will turn with me, and it wasn't expecting to go there. If you will turn with me to Psalm 88, there's a verse here. This is Jesus, and it's in hell, and it's verse 7. I want you to consider, if you've never read this before, Jesus is all through the Psalms. The psalmist David prophesied of Jesus all through the Psalms, and so did Asaph. So did the other writers of the Psalms. But verse 7, it says, Thy wrath, Jesus speaking from the lowest pit. Verse 6, it says, Thou hast laid me in the lowest pit, the lowest part of hell. Thou hast laid me in the lowest pit, the bottom of hell. Not the lake of fire. That comes later. But the lowest pit in hell. In the deeps, thy wrath lieth hard on me. God's wrath was poured out on Jesus in hell. God's wrath was poured out on Jesus. Why? So he wouldn't pour out his wrath on you. Somebody had to pay. Somebody had to pay for what you and I have done. And Jesus took the job. And he went to hell. And he was in the lowest pit paying for what you and I did. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And then verse 10 in Isaiah 53. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. But now shall make his soul an offering for sin. His soul. Not just his body, his soul too. His soul went to hell. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11. The father shall see the travail of his soul, of Jesus' soul. The father will see Jesus' travail, his soul, on the cross and in hell. The father watched him. He saw it. It says that the eternal spirit was with him. At a point, the father had to turn away from him. He had to not look on him because Jesus took our sin. The father cannot look on sin. And he had to, he had to um, turn away. He had to turn his back on Jesus. And Jesus said, my God, my God, why, you, why have you forsaken me? So he wouldn't forsake you and I. Turned his back on Jesus. Jesus was carrying the sin. And then, verse 11, the Father shall see the travail of Jesus' soul. 
and he shall be satisfied. He was satisfied. He was satisfied. Don't ever forget the father was satisfied. He was satisfied. Anything you need from the father, Jesus paid for. The father was satisfied. And we know the father was satisfied because after three days, the father said, that's enough. I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied that every sin's been paid for. I'm satisfied that every sickness has been paid for. I'm satisfied that poverty has been paid for. I'm satisfied that heartbreak, that everything between God and man, he was satisfied was paid for and he raised Jesus from the dead. And when he raised Jesus from the dead, the only way he could get Jesus out of the grave was he had to forgive the sin that Jesus was paying for. And Jesus left it in hell. And he was raised from the dead. Forgiven. Justified. Paul talks about justified in the spirit. Jesus came out of that grave justified from all sin. A perfect body. A perfect body never to die again. And that's where we're headed. That's where we're headed. We're headed for a body that'll never die. We're headed for a body that is perfect. We're headed for a body that has no sin. We're headed for a body, no wrinkles. We're headed for a body just like Jesus. Amen? Now, go with me to Romans 5.1. Just two more verses. One of the hardest scriptures that was for me to believe. Romans 5.1. Therefore, being justified by faith. Justified. Notice, you got to use your faith. It takes faith. It's already happened, already been paid for, but it is not going to manifest in your life unless you use your faith, unless you believe it, unless you hang on to it, unless you commit to it, unless you set your heart to keep it. Then it comes to pass. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. You are not going to get peace with God any other way. You have to do it through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus will lead you there. But there was a day I used to, I mean, I'm telling you, several years. I'd pray this verse and inside of me I knew this verse wasn't true in my heart. I would pray, I thank you that being justified, there's peace between you and me. And my heart would go, no, there ain't. And I'd pray again. And I'd pray again. And I'd pray it again. And I'd consider the gospel. And I'd pray it again. And I'd consider the blood of Jesus. I considered what he paid for. I considered the body on the cross. I considered there had to be blood and Jesus spilled his blood. He took his blood to heaven and he sprinkled the heavenlies with his blood, that blood that is on me, that blood that is in me. And one day I finally could stand up and say there is peace between you and I by the blood of Jesus. Peace. 
And you know what? If there's no peace there when I say it, it's time to get peace. It's time to fix what's ever between you and God. It's time to fix it. It's time to get rid of it so that there is. If you cannot say that verse, there is something between you and the Father. And you know what? It's not the Father's side that the problem is. The Father has no problem with you. Jesus paid for your problems in his eyes. The problem is in your own heart. If you cannot say that verse, that there is peace between you and I by the blood of Jesus, you can get there. You can get there. You're going to have to believe. You're going to have to set your heart to believe, to commit to that word, to hang on to it, to make it yours. You will struggle, but you will get there if you will believe. If there is something in your heart that you cannot say that verse and believe it, Father, I thank you right now that you minister to them that it is not you, that it is not on your side. You had Jesus pay the price so there is peace. You had Jesus pay the price. There is peace. Father, minister to their hearts now. Father, I thank you right now. And if you are not born again, there is something between you and God. And you can fix it right now. You can fix it right now to where there is that open door where you can walk through. And that is to get the spirit of Jesus in you. That is what being born again means. That your spirit is born again like it was intended to be when Adam walked with God. And all you have to do is pray with me. Father, Jesus, Jesus, come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Take my life. Be Lord of it. Lead me. Guide me. And fix me. I ask this in your name. And he will. Now, Father, minister to us your peace. Father, I thank you right now that if there is anyone, that there is something between them and you, Father, I thank you right now. You minister your peace of that gospel. Father, I thank you. You minister right now the blood that paid for that peace. Father, I thank you that you minister right now to them, that blood. Whatever is between you and the Father, get it under the blood. Get it under the blood. That blood will purge it. That blood will cover it and purge it out. Father, I thank you. You minister right now to your people, to your daughters. 
Father, that there is peace between you and them through the blood of Jesus. Father, I thank you that there is peace. There is peace between you and them because of the blood of Jesus. Not because of your behavior. Not because of your background. Not because of anything you've done or haven't done. There is peace between you and the Father because of the blood of Jesus. Because of the blood of Jesus. Because of the blood of Jesus. Father, I thank you. You minister that to us now in Jesus' name. That blood covers. That blood purges that blood justifies that blood justifies it washes it cleans anything between you and God thank God for the blood of Jesus father minister the blood right now in Jesus name Get it under the blood. Go to the Father. Get it under the blood. Get it under the blood. All uncleanness. Father, get it under the blood. Get it under the blood. All uncleanness under the blood. Thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus. All uncleanness under the blood in Jesus' name. All uncleanness goes under the blood. All pride under the blood. All pride, Father, by the blood of Jesus. Get it under the blood. All lying under the blood. Amen. All lies under the blood. Get it off of you. Get the peace the Father has for you. Father, everything under the blood, there is peace between you and I because of the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. See you next week. Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the Ministers of Music from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at kdwol.com. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, Post Office Box 861-327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.